Folks, this is Fergus Hodgson, Managing Editor of the Impunity Observer. Thanks for tuning in to our live stream. This is Observing Impunity, and I'm going to be speaking with our editor-at-large, Steve Hecht. Now, his screen has just gone black, so I'm not sure why that is. I'll just mention the topic today. We're going to explore the motivations behind the Biden rhetoric. What we mean is that in recent times, this is not, not a secret, our listeners will know that he has referred to, quote, MAGA Republicans as a threat to democracy. And so Steve has written three articles related to this. One is Biden's lawlessness is the real threat to democracy. So a direct response that actually breaking the law is a threat, not people supporting Make America Great Again. And then the two others are anti-MAGA rhetoric is dictatorial deflection. So it's, it's a tactic to hide one's own dictatorial ambitions now okay and then the last one is state department corruption matches justice department corruption this refers to the problem that if the u.s is flagrantly violating the rule of law at home the nation hardly has a leg to stand on when going to countries like guatemala where steve is to supposedly go into anti-corruption measures so now we have a few planned topics within this so basically, this, this famous Philadelphia speech where these, these claims came from, what are the implications, right? Why is this such a meaningful speech? I have a hard time. Uh, I find it torturous listening to these speeches. But why is this so meaningful and merit? What does it merit a response? The speech was the typical Biden speech, and it's part of his polarization agenda, and that Biden has to the people who manage him that's that's the real case they they must divide people they must create uh hate and fear you fear the enemy you hate the enemy and that keeps you from paying attention to what the people you support do so biden supporters hate maga people hate trump people hate the enemy and they will give a pass to biden and his partners for their totalitarianism. They violate the law continuously. They politicize justice. They protect their their friends, their allies from criminal prosecution. They invent criminal prosecution for their enemies. So this all plays into the same thing. And so the idea that Biden is uniter, which he likes to say, this is complete garbage. This is a, a typical Marxist totalitarian strategy to divide and conquer. And that's really the bottom line of, of what Biden has done. Yeah. And I, I tend to agree with you that these, and, and we should, as you would rightly point out that you, even in your article, this one on Biden, Biden's lawlessness, you mentioned that it's his managers, right? We don't assume this guy is some mastermind crafting all these plans, that there's a whole team at work here, but this extremely partisan or hyper-partisan rhetoric is so firm in demonizing the opposition and deflecting from what's going on, or like you say, the real agenda. So what is the real agenda then? What is the Biden regime trying to deflect from? Well, their totalitarianism. I mean, the Biden regime has, uh, you could see in everything they say, and everything they do, that they're trying to silence their opposition, marginalize their opposition, that they criminal, they want to criminalize, they're trying to criminalize saying that Biden didn't win in 2020. Well, 
if you look, no Republicans were, were, were saying, shut up, let's shut up the Democrats after they said that Trump was illegitimate. They let them talk because it's freedom of speech. But what that shows you is Democrats don't believe in freedom of speech. This is totalitarianism. So they want to distract from their totalitarianism. They, totalitarianism is a lie. The whole thing is a lie. And if people don't wake up to that lie in time, it's going to be too late. And even Democrats have to understand that they're going to lose their liberty along with the rest of us. Yeah, so there's, there's plenty to say about that. And as someone who is an immigrant in the United States, acutely aware of or sensitive to the, the precious liberties that are American in nature. So the First Amendment, which is free speech, which includes free speech, and the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. These are those very precious freedoms that protect the American Republic. And as you say, these unfortunately have become partisan issues in recent decades. And now it's clear that, I hate to say it, but some politicians are dead against them. So in terms of those who have this totalitarian or socialist inclination, how far have they co-opted the U.S. federal or just the U.S. government? What institutions are most infiltrated or all of them are there any that are not well yeah for the most part they are i mean the the uh, education from kindergarten through graduate school uh, for the most part has been uh, corrupted co-opted uh, marxist professors have tenure the teachers union has gone marxist and they're teaching young children uh, marxist um, uh, conflict they're trying to make people feel guilty about who they are and create conflict among uh, young people. Uh, it's really, it's, it's a sad thing. And the federal bureaucracy, of course, is completely penetrated. Now, that's not ideological. The bureaucrats like to have more power. And the more power they have, the happier they are. And so uh, they fear Republicans, that maybe Republicans will do what they've said they would do, which hopefully that will start to happen. But um, the Justice Department is the greatest example, which is what I wrote about. The State Department is another perfect example. They do whatever they want to do. They don't care about law. They're totally corrupt. So is the Justice Department. And even under Trump, the Justice Department and the State Department were undermining him. So uh, the United States has to correct that if they would like to return to the constitutional principles that the United States is based on. The only organization that I see that is somewhat professional is Treasury Department. You know, the State Department got ankle sanctions on uh, Guatemalans and others. Uh, and the reason that they don't have McNixie sanctions is that requires Treasury to weigh in. And the Treasury people appear to be more professional than other parts of the government. I hope that stays. I hope that's correct. Okay. Yeah. And you see there that you can follow Steve Hecht on Twitter at shecht number six. And please, if you want to get more detail and follow Steve's articles, go to impunityobserver.com. We have a, a, a plethora of content on many different uh, platforms and streams, and I particularly like the Telegram stream. Okay, now, we obviously are coming up to midterm elections in the United States, and uh, typically these are, let's say, a round of accountability for the incumbent president. Will this be that and more? What results do you foresee? 
I believe you're correct about that. I expect uh, a significant Republican victory. Now, the establishment, I hear from a lot of people, the establishment tries to create the image that it's a tight election. Lunatics like uh, Michael Moore saying Democrats are going to are going to roll. But when you watch real professional commentators, even Democrats, they hedge their position. This is really a question of uh, the, the, the Biden regime is accustomed to lying because it has corporate media partners that 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 spread their lies to su- and suppress truth. So they're they, they're not held to any kind of standard. So they believe that they could tell any lie they want. And what they're really saying to the American public is, who are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? But in this case, they can't hide the inflation. People know that. People have children. They know their children are getting taught to hate everybody else, to feel bad about themselves, that that white people are oppressors and, and minorities are victims. And this is absolutely the wrong thing to teach children. Parents don't like that. We see what happened in Virginia with Glenn Gunn-Yunkin. He won on this issue. I expect that people have been affected directly by uh, the uh, totalitarian policies, uh, the harmful, destructive policies of the Biden regime. And I expect that people will not pay too much attention, plus the fact that they're not going to tell pollsters because of all the polarization and cancel- cancellation of, of dissenters, people don't want to admit it. So they're not going to tell the truth to pollsters. But in the voting booth, there's nobody else there. And I think they're going to tell the truth and Republicans are going to have a big victory. Yeah, that's the you mentioned it at the outset, the big challenge we deal with, and that is this whole uh, dinosaur or regime media that is just covering for those for the incumbents right now that does not want to give a broader reflection of the news. And we almost live in different spheres of information. That's why I'm proud of the work that Impunity Observer does, that Steve's perspective is so crucial. He will tell you it's, it's just a very different perspective that is not be, being heard enough. Now, given the fact that there is likely to be a major outcome in the midterm elections against the Democratic Party, how is this going to actually change, let's say, the trajectory or the tactics of the Biden regime? Well, they are professional um, um, manipulators. I don't mean Joe Biden. I mean the people who manage him, the people who put him there. I, to put a cognitively challenged person uh, in the White House without campaigning is is a is a real feat, and these are very professional people, not to be underestimated. So they can see the writing on the wall. They know that they're going to lose, so they're setting things up for the future, and they want to survive Republican Congresses and 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 administration, and they need their polarization to be able to do that. And so if the Republicans do win, as I expect they will, and have a good governing majority, then they're, the Democrats, the, the Biden regime managers, are going to have to blame everything that happens, everything, on the Republicans. And they're counting on their media. So what's really important is for people, more people, to understand and recognize that those media are partners with Democrats. Their owners are making fortunes in China. That's why they got rid of Trump. They don't want a reciprocal China policy 
they want to favor China because they make more money and they don't care how much money they lose or maybe less money they make with their media partners. So this is one of the biggest things we have to, our public needs to be educated, needs leaders who can point this out and, and, and explain how it happened. We must understand how we came to this point if we are going to get out from under the thumb of this Democrat Party totalitarianism. Yeah, again, so much to say there, Steve. And I want to uh, share with the audience that I'm so proud that I get to work with Steve. He and I work closely on these, on these articles. And well, the latest one that is particularly important that just came out, I'm trying to think now, maybe late last week, was on how the State Department corruption matches Justice Department corruption. So we all know about the Justice Department of the United States that's gotten so much coverage. But Steve is familiar with the way that is basically mirrored abroad. So let's say the deteriorating rule of law in the United States, what are the implications for Guatemala and the rest of Central America? Well, it happened first in Guatemala and, and other places in Latin America. And then they spread it to the United States. I mean, I wrote about it in Puny Observer and the Daily Caller and and, and various other places uh, five, six years ago that I saw what the Obama-Biden administration was doing in Guatemala, which was imposing the successors of, of the Fidel Castro's and Guerrilla. They took over the justice system. And, and there it's much worse. If Americans don't, don't watch out, it's going to be like it was in Guatemala. And, and, and the, the uh, Justice Department today is so corrupt, you can see it in what they're doing to Trump, and you can see it in how they're protecting Hunter Biden, Hillary Clinton, and other regime uh, allies and partners. And this uh, is the hallmark of totalitarianism, and it is now being practiced in the United States. Americans don't like it, and they don't like to consider it. They don't like to believe it. I know plenty of people that think that this, oh, you, you know, come on, come on, stop with this. But if you look at what they do, you can't, you, you, you have to purposely deny it to not see that it's totalitarianism. And I think that it's, it's really dangerous and America needs to wake up and we need really good leaders who understand what they're going to have to do to restore American exceptionalism, which is based on individualism and God-given rights. Yeah, Steve, there is a lot going on in Guatemala, and you've been talking about this for almost a decade now. It seems like time has flown by. The way that this politicized justice has already been exercised abroad, and it is, let's say, it has demonstrated what is coming to the United States. And I feel like we're just watching history right before our eyes in the deterioration of the republic each day we see these raids on people or this attack on the my pillow gentleman i can't remember his name right now but all these silly which are nakedly political these crackdowns and often i think that i don't it is a, there's a great temptation to stoop to that level do you want to talk about why that is a bad idea of let's say other uh, let's say opposing politicians get into power and want to bring vengeance why is that a bad idea well i wrote about that in one of my previous bizpack review articles and i said that we can't afford 
to have that because that's what they want to provoke. They want Republicans, the Democrats, the Biden regime managers want Republicans when they get into power to do exactly the same thing that Democrats do, discard the law, persecute political enemies, protect corruption. Because that way, they feel like they're the ones who have the power to eventually win the fight. Now, it does no good to try to save a republic that's exceptional based on God-given rights that precede government if you're going to violate those rights. In other words, we have to accept that there are restraints on us. We have to work on Democrat principle, democratic principles. We can't do what they do. And I believe that we can beat them and restore liberty within the rules of democracy. But to do that, we need the public to understand what they've been up against. We need leaders who can identify this totalitarian movement. And we need more people to understand why it happened and what we have to do to get rid of it, but we must, must stay within the principles of individualism, the rule of law, due process, presumption of innocence, because otherwise we're going to become just like the totalitarian Democrats, and then the country's not worth saving. If we have to choose between, and this is what they want us to think, if we have to choose between which awful system is going to govern us, then we've lost. We need to win for the Democratic Republic. Right. So in, in your second article, and we'll have all these posted, or they already are posted on impunityobserver.com. Uh, please go there if you want to get Steve's full perspectives. The one that I'm looking at right now is anti-MAGA rhetoric is dictatorial deflection. And you found an interesting statistic here. There's been polling done of U.S. adults or American adults, and about two-fifths across the board, or by bipartisan two-fifths, believe the U.S. will cease to be a democracy in the next decade, right? So very in, in short order. And they, I guess they just disagree that Republicans were saying we're going to a communist dictatorship, Democrats saying we're going to a fascist dictatorship. Why, why is this? I mean, one, do you believe they're right about the, the ending of democracy? And two, how is this fascist communist dictatorship let's say, uh, supposed comparison problematic? Well, first of all, <laughs> the Democrats are fascists. I mean, like they're accusing the new prime minister of Italy of, of being a fascist. But fascism is uh, centralized control. And private property exists in fascism, but the government controls everything. Well, since the communists uh, abandoned state ownership of the means of production, they are identical to fascists. It's the same thing. It's totalitarianism, any way you want to define it. And this is what I was talking about in the previous answer to your question, that there is no difference. We, we have to understand the principles of a democratic republic, rule of law, presumption of innocence, individual rights. That is what fascism and communism, which, as I said, are identical, that's what they don't do. And so we need, it's very important to understand that this entire rhetoric that the Biden regime uses is exactly that. They want to destroy freedom, even if they lose, even if it's, even if it's not them in power, they think that they'll come back to power. And they hate the United States. They hate capitalism. 
So anything that weakens it and destroys it is good, which is why how you can explain their foreign policy in China, Iran, Russia, and every other place. So we're fighting people that hate our system and it's inside our system. They're not outside enemies. They're helping our outside enemies, but they're inside our system and they're trying to weaken it. They're trying to overthrow it. They're trying to turn it into a totalitarian state. And this is what we must oppose. Yeah, that is the challenge that the truth is the greatest enemies of America seem to be in America and not only in America, but heavily concentrated in Washington, D.C. Yeah, Steve, you've got you've always got a few topics cooking, right? A few items in the pipeline. Do you want to give people the latest on what's going on on the ground in Guatemala in what you are considering writing about in the coming weeks? Well, one of the things that I plan on writing about is that Biden is now uh, uh, blaming the immigration crisis on Cuban, Venezuelan, and Nicaraguan refugees. Now, those are countries that actually do produce refugees, whereas he says that uh, refugees come from Central America and Mexico, which is not true because there's no persecution there. So uh, uh, asylum doesn't apply to those people. So he's claiming that he can't send those Cubans, Venezuelans, and Nicaraguans back to their countries that they won't even take them. But how are they getting to the United States? Okay, maybe the Cubans come through Mexico, but the, some of the Cubans some of, and, and the Venezuelans and the Nicaraguans, they come through Central America. They got to pass through Guatemala. The Guatemalan government is doing everything it can to fight the flow of illegal migrants and drugs. And it gets no help. Its president was, was, was interviewed recently on US TV when he went to the UN. And he said, we get no money. We get no cooperation. So the US government has an ally in Guatemala. And Guatemala is the key to the route of a land route to the United States. And the United States is not interested. And the reason is very simple. They want the migrants to come. They are purposely flooding the country. And they're lying. And their media partners are covering for them. And people are letting them get away with it. Now, I believe that voters are going to hold them responsible because I think voters understand it. And Hispanics especially, they don't like the, the cultural Marxism, but they also don't like the competition from all these low-priced uh, uh, refugees or economic migrants. So I think you're going to see a big shift in, in, in Hispanic voting. Yeah, thanks for bringing that one up because I had made a note about that before we began the live stream today that the number of illegals coming to the United States since Biden took office, so in less than two years, is about 5 million. It is an enormous flow. It, as far as I can tell, unprecedented and obviously vastly more than anything under the Trump uh, tenure. Now, you made an interesting point on one of your recent radio interviews about the way that the way we but the way the open border approach is haphazard or almost vengeful because yes the the current administrational regime is letting people in but it it's 
letting them in through a back door or a, a non-transparent manner or opaque manner. What we mean is that you could just give them work visas and let them come, but instead you're just bringing them in all illegally, which is a direct confrontation with the rule of law. So it's almost like a deliberate attempt to undermine any kind of respect for the rule of law in the United States and to create chaos. Do you want to comment on why the Biden regime doesn't want to really address it and just wants chaos? It seems it's confusing. Well, you're exactly right that that's what they want. It's purpose and, and purposeful. And that is, is a typical totalitarian tactic. And if you look back to the election in 2020, they were presenting, the Biden team was presenting Biden as a return to normalcy. I wrote in BizPack Review, you can look it up. I, as I recall, the date was July 6th, 2020. And I said, that is false. And, and that if Biden becomes president of the United States, you're going to see a, a flood of immigrants and you're going to see an increase in violence in American cities. Well, both have happened. And this is part of their plan. And I knew that from watching them in Guatemala and from studying this for half a, half a century. And it's not surprising. And if people pay attention, they can, they can see the threats and, and understand why this is happening. So that, that as long as people don't hold the Democrats' totalitarians responsible for the violence, it will keep happening. They have to vote those people out. They have to understand these people are purposely promoting polarization, violence, and chaos because that's the precursor to a strong central government taking over. And that's the most dangerous thing that can happen to any society. And they're trying to pull it on the freest society on the face of the earth, the only one that's ever codified uh, natural rights and, and, and God-given rights that precede government. And, and right now, the United States has to return to its roots, has to understand the assault on it, the totalitarian assault, and it has to repel it because that's exactly what they're doing to us. Gosh, Steve, we're running out of time. It made me think, though, do you believe that an amnesty is the end game? Because often I see socialists as basically offering solutions in search of a problem. So they almost need to create a problem to justify their solutions. And I guess their desired solution maybe is just a blanket amnesty. Amnesty for what? For themselves? No, for the, all these illegals that just giving them residency. Oh, I don't think they care. I don't think they look that far in advance. I think they're very able. They're able to adjust on the fly, and they will. And, and so they might push amnesty if they think that that's politically good for them, but uh, they might not. They might prefer to have uh, a new administration expel all these people. I don't know if that's even possible. I mean, they've created an impossible situation. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying yeah. to create something that cannot be undone. There seems to be almost an, a willingness to just accept or embrace this limbo of having tens of millions of people with no legal status permanently. And like sure. I said, that is, yeah. Okay, folks, we, yeah, we've rushed through the half hour. There's plenty to say, but I really appreciate you listening, uh, reading our work. 
theimpunityobserver.com is our website. Steve Hecht is our editor at large. Please come back next month. Stay tuned to our social media. Get on our email list. Get on our uh, Telegram, Twitter, and we look forward to having you back, Steve. I'm so glad you got to chat this morning, and I look forward to the next article we can work on together. Thanks very much, Fergus. I look forward to it as well.